with their heads filled with stories of expatriate escapades in Paris, they could be enticed to pay an exorbitant amount of money with the mere drop of a name. A famous writer, musician, artist, or actor who might have lived next door, bought bread down the street, or gardened on the roof, drove them into a bidding war. It did not matter if the information was correct. It would take the American months to realize that his lease was based upon a lie, and by then he would not care. He was living his Parisian life, and friends and family back home had already retold the lie so many times it now seemed true. Hemingway had slept here, or was it there, or there? She had that look which screamed 16th arrondissement, where selling just one property, or simply renting three, could cover her expenses for an entire year. Her jewelry suggested that she made more in one day than he might make in a year. Her agent's fee for listing this place, whatever it might be, would represent mere tip money. Later, over cocktails, she would confirm all of his suspicions, breaking a cardinal rule in France, which prohibited telling strangers your income. Maybe she wanted to impress him, or perhaps she wanted to discourage him. Whatever her motives, she accomplished both during aperitifs. Claudine was single, rich, and available, just not available to Zach. She made no game of telling him, and although her directness came as a jolt to his ego, he appreciated her brutal honesty. With her last bite of poire belle Hélène, she had lifted her hand and called for l'addition. She handed over her carte bleue before Zach could fumble for his wallet. Pour les deux, she said to the waiter. If there had been any doubt about her intentions, she had just cleared the air. This was business, strictly business. Later, alone in bed, when he could not get the beautiful French woman or the scent of her perfume out of his head, he wondered, what had he said at dinner that had influenced her decision? He sighed, content that his luck was changing. Somehow he had passed her test. Somehow he had become acceptable. The mystery was starting to trouble Zack. The evidence was circumstantial, but little things were starting to add up. Zack remembered the conversations which he had overheard in the hallway and at the mailbox. He had nodded a hello to his neighbors in passing, but he had not stopped to engage them in conversation, and they had made no attempt to stop him. In each instance they had fallen silent, not taking up their conversations until he was too far away to hear them. Then, and only then, they had whispered. Was this not odd? Of course the French normally did not converse at the volume levels that Americans did. They kept their voices down in restaurants and even on the streets. Speaking loudly was considered both disrespectful and unsophisticated, according to the forewarning in his guidebooks. So if his neighbors whispered behind his back, were they being suspicious or simply being respectful? He couldn't decide. A third voice had joined the others, which confirmed that Madame Durand had been spying from her keyhole. 
This time the conversation included the words, Le Cousin. Could they all be involved in some sort of conspiracy? Or were their actions normal, given that a foreigner had moved into an apartment reserved for permanent residents? He imagined that the same could be said of New York apartment dwellers. If he had been the only French citizen who had just moved in, everyone would be queuing up to trade rumors about him. This was not so different. There they would ask, Does the new guy speak English? Rather than, L'étranger, il parle français? Zach, in this building, this neighborhood, of course he would be the subject of rumors. Was it too much to ask? When would they invite him in for a drink, to share gossip as Mara had done? Wasn't that the way things happened here? Truthfully, he was getting a little lonely. Wasn't there a statute of limitations on being the new kid on the block?